Joe Biden's been told to stop doing something the founding generation really feared. I'll talk about that on this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. The woke madness in history education is off the rails. Well, how do we change it? McClanahanAcademy.com. And because you listen to this podcast, if you use the coupon code PODCAST at checkout, you get 25% off every day, all day, 365 days a year, on every class at McClanahanAcademy.com. So go to McClanahanAcademy.com, use coupon code PODCAST at checkout, and get a real history education at 25% off. If you like this podcast and you want it without advertisements, head over to Patreon.com and become a member of The Brian McClanahan Show. For 10 bucks a month, you get all the podcasts ad-free, including video, and you also get a special Q&A podcast. I'm only going to answer your questions, your listener-generated episodes, through those Q&As. So, head over to Patreon.com, get this podcast ad-free, no ads, not even things like this, and you really do help support The Brian McClanahan Show with really cool stuff on the back end. Did Abraham Lincoln screw up America? Absolutely. So did a litany of other presidents, and I've got all of them in Nine Presidents Who Screwed Up America. It's one of my favorite books that I've written. You're really going to love it. And you might even be shocked about who I include in those nine presidents, including Abraham Lincoln. Pick it up wherever books are sold online. I guarantee you'll love it. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. All right, well, what's Joe Biden doing? The federal government, founding fathers, I should say, really feared while well, he's acting like an elected king all the time. But it's the campaigning. It's the campaigning that um, I think these people really worried about. You see, one of the problems with the American presidency is that the president is eligible for re-election. I really think that the Confederate Constitution of 1861 solved this problem better than anything else. It's why when I wrote Nine Presidents Who Screwed Up America, I thought we need a constitutional amendment that would give the president a six-year term unelectable. I think unelectable six-year term. That's it. Give the president six years and they're out. They only have to run for office one time to get in and then they never run again. Why? Because all of these people, and of course that was the 1860s, but they had 80 years of experience at that point, these Southerners who wrote the Confederate Constitution, to understand that one of the great evils of the United States Constitution was that you created an environment where with you have, if you have the president eligible for re-election, it makes the office extremely political. Extremely political. Because the president's going to have to think about, even with just two term limits, the next election. So Joe Biden is thinking about the next election. From the time he takes office in his first term, he's thinking about his second term. We've got Barack Obama on a hot mic saying this very thing to the Russians when he was president. Look, after this election, I can do more because I don't have to be careful anymore. I've got four years where I don't have to, I can do whatever I want because I'm not going to be reelected. Now, the danger, of course, if you don't have the election, is that the president gets in there and they do whatever they want because they're not held accountable. That was supposed to be impeachment. Not the will of voters or the Electoral College, but impeachment. That was the sword of Damocles. Right? That was it. That was the hammer. Impeachment. It wasn't the voters. 
Uh, so you couldn't abuse power because you always had something hanging over your head. It was always going to be something that would prevent you from abuse because you could be removed. Not the next election. In fact, this was openly discussed. How do we do this? I mean, Alexander Hamilton in June of 1787 of the Philadelphia Convention has said, look, we're going to get to a king. Just, just skip over it. Let's just skip over all the, all the heartache and get right to the king. Because that's what eventually we're going to have. And we do have that, right? I mean, we treat the president like a king now. Uh, an elected king. This is what George Mason said in the Philadelphia Convention. We're going to get an elected king. That's the most dangerous thing we can have. They're going to have powers that are beyond the powers of the current king. They, I mean, they really believe that. And, and we do have that. And uh, the current king of Great Britain in, in 1787. And they're going to be electable. They're going to be re-electable. They can just serve as much as they want, and they can organize, they can galvanize party support. Now, in 1787, in 1788, we didn't have political parties like we do today. They're the most dangerous thing out there because they run the whole show politically. But we had factions, and we saw what factions can do. Even the founding generation were aware of factions because of the English Civil War. We knew what factions can do. They knew what factions can do. We had factions in the early 19th century, late 18th century. Factions are dangerous. And as you have presidents that will now personally campaign, you see up until the early 20th century, we didn't have presidents that personally campaigned. But once that became a thing, once the presidency became a political, purely political body, where presidents would actually physically go out and campaign for themselves, this created a whole new level of corruption. and danger. So if we had a situation where the president was unelectable, they get one six-year term. They don't have to they can't run for re-election. There's nothing going on. They can't do it. You would cut out all of this stuff. Or just make it one four-year term. New president every four years. Why do you need more than that? I mean this is a real question. Why do you need more than four years of a president? I can, you know, I can see the argument for stability, for you know, permanency for a time, uh, but I mean, look, what happened with Donald Trump? We had four years of Trump, which was an interruption of the Obama regime because Joe Biden just part of the Obama regime. And so, what did Joe Biden do? He went in, and on the first day, issued a slew of executive orders undoing all the executive orders Trump did. And then, if Trump wins again in 2024 and he goes in in 2025, he's going to do the same thing. He's going to issue a slew of executive orders on doing all the executive orders of the Biden administration. And we're just going to have a war of executive orders, a war of presidential decrees, essentially, a war of kings. This is so dangerous. But if you had a six year term, I mean, yeah, you'd still have some stability. You have more than four years. Biden would still get another two years. And that would be it. One. Six-year term, I think, was ideal. This is what this is why people should go out and read that Confederate Constitution because there were some innovations in it, some tweaks, some changes that made that document superior to the U.S. Constitution on some structural issues. Everyone focuses on slavery in the Confederate Constitution. That's because they're weak-minded, right? I mean, there's so many other things going on in that document, and why it's so interesting. And it shows you what these people, they were thoughtful people. They had thought out some of these problems that the U.S. government faced all these years. right? And all the political issues, all the worry, all of that. They thought they were going to solve some of those things. 
So if Biden only got a one one six year term, he would not be doing what this piece is saying he's been told to stop doing because there would be no point in it. He would serve his six years and he would go home to Delaware and fumble along the beach. Shuffle along the beach, sit in his chair and fall asleep. This is what he would do. I mean, he's an old man. He should be doing that anyways. His wife's on TV saying he works. People don't see how hard he works. I'm sure he uh, works hard, quote unquote, but um, fumbles along most of the time and sleeps a lot, I'm sure, too. So the title of this piece, Biden warned to stop bringing big donors to the Oval Office. Warned to stop. This is his own people, his own counsel saying you can't bring donors to the Oval Office. You can't sell access to the presidency. Biden doesn't care because he's been selling access to himself for years. This is just part and parcel of it. I mean, the, the evidence is all over the place from his son and giving kickbacks to Biden for access to the vice presidency when he was vice president. We know this was going on. He's been selling access to power for years. So selling access to power to the Oval Office was just something you do. Walking through the Oval Office. He wants to show it off because Joe Biden, again, just wanted to be president. That was his whole point. His whole life, that's all he wanted to be. And now he's got it, and he wants to He wants to show you, this is my new house. It's like you buy your new house, you bring all your friends over to show them around your new house and kind of gloat and, and show them up a little bit. That's what Biden's doing. But it's not really his house. If he wants to do that in Delaware, he can do it all day. But it's not really his house. It's the taxpayer's house. And in many ways, you shouldn't be allowed to have any political activity in the White House. What I mean by that is campaigning activity at all. No donor should be allowed to step foot in the White House. There should be no money-changing hands for political campaigns in the White House at all. None of it. That house is owned by the American public, and it should be as nonpartisan as you can get. I mean, this is what Washington envisioned. This is what the founding generation envisioned, a nonpartisan presidency. We know it's never really been the case. But that should be the goal. And it should, I mean, you should at least have the appearance of that. But by having donors go through the White House, even donor luncheons and other places. Now, the piece gets into where they think these things could take place because it's a private residence. It's not private. Joe Biden's home in Delaware is private. That's a private residence. Taxpayers uh, didn't buy that house. (laughs) Well, we could get... We could get into some other things. But taxpayers didn't buy that house. They do pay for the White House. And even though he lives there, he only lives there while he's, it's a, it's a temporary situation. It's not really his. So let's get into the piece. President Biden was advised last year by the White House counsel that giving big dollar donors tours of the Oval Office might raise legal issues and has, he has since stopped the practice, according to people familiar with the matter. So he had been doing this for a couple of years. Hey, come on over. Give me some money. I'll take you through the Oval Office. I mean, it's it's part and parcel for the Bidens. This is all about this is all of what it is. It's about raising money for themselves. I'm sure. I mean, look, you don't think that Trump didn't do it. Of course, Obama didn't. Do it. I mean, all these people do it. It's not just pegged to Biden either. I mean, this is what the presidency has become. This is what the founding generation feared. It's what I said in the in the cold open. What the founding generation feared was exactly this. You start politicizing the presidency and using it for capital gain. Donating to your campaign 
setting yourself up when you're over is for personal capital gain. That's what it's for. Personal gain. Biden had been hosting donors inside the White House residence for private meals and briefings to help energize them and convince them that he has a plan to beat former President Trump. He's been doing this in the White House. Private meals and briefings. So he's campaigning with donors. He's organizing with donors in the White House. He's having them come in, sitting down for meals, briefings, meetings with the president. This is what I'm going to do to beat Donald Trump. The donor outreach has caused some concern in the White House Counsel's Office. It should. It should cause concern for anybody, right or left, because this is weaponizing, again, the presidency to get your political opponent. It's what I've talked about, right? Even the thing I talked about yesterday with the Militia Act or whatever they're going to call it, Paramilitary Act. It's what Biden does. It's his 1850 speech. This is exactly what we're seeing. We're weaponizing the general government against your political opponents. And again, it doesn't. I would say this about anybody that's doing this. Trump shouldn't do it. Obama shouldn't do it. The Bushes shouldn't do it. Nobody should do it. The donor outreach has caused some concern in the White House Counsel's Office, which has allowed the lunches and dinners to proceed with clear restrictions, including on where the meals can take place and who can attend. So the White House Counsel, well, we got their lawyers getting around. Okay, well, what can we do here? How can we make this as legal as possible so that nobody would raise questions about it. So um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to say it only can take place in these places and only these people can attend. Because then, it does, then it's not really partisan. Biden has been known to show the Oval Office to many of his guests, but he decided to stop including the Oval Tour for donors early in the campaign after issues were raised by the council's office. The exclusive briefings and meals are expected to continue. Hey, pay me. You can come in here. And you can eat with me in the White House, and we can have a one-on-one chat for this amount of money. (laughs) Or this amount of support. This is what it's about. It's complete corruption. It's selling access to the presidency. This is what we're going to do to get Donald Trump, and this is what we're going to do when we get Donald Trump. And this is what the legislation that I'm going to promote that would help you, you see. In order to comply with Essex laws, the donors are not directly solicited for donations and events are required to take place either in the White House map room, the old family dining room, or the tennis pavilion on the grounds south lawn. So you can't directly solicit for donations. You can't say, uh, okay, look, if you want access to the president, um, this is how much it's going to cost. But it's, I mean, it's wink, wink, right? You get a call from Joe Biden. Hey, I want you to come to the White House and have a meal with me. Uh, Of course, he wouldn't call you directly, but his secretary would. I want you to come. I mean, and you're a big money person. You've got a lot of influence, got a lot of money. What's the point? You know why they're calling you. Everybody knows this. If you've got money, people are calling you all the time to try to get your money. And so Biden's calling you to get you to come so you can give him some money. And he's going to outline, this is what I'm, this is why Trump is dangerous. This is what I'm going to do to get Trump. This is what I'm going to do. And this would really benefit you. Scribble, scribble, scribble on a check. After that, goes into the Biden campaign fund. The Biden slush fund. That's the point. You see? You're not directly soliciting. So, so well, they're not really directly asking for money. But uh, that's the whole point. These people are coming. 
And of course, they can only be in the map room, the old family dining room. They shouldn't be allowed in any of those places. Nowhere. If Biden wants to have these kind of meetings, they should be in Delaware. That's where they should take place. Not anywhere in the anywhere in the White House at all. The Washington Post reported earlier Wednesday on the meals. The intimate gatherings were organized by campaign co-chair and Democratic megadonor Jeffrey Katzenberg. So Katzenberg, the Democratic megadonor, you see, this is the thing. Campaign co-chair. So the campaign is setting these things up. Hey, Biden campaign calling you. Uh, this is Jeff Katzenberg. Yeah, we want you to come and meet with the president so we can talk about uh, what, what we're going to do. And, of course, then Katzenberg will rally around these people when it's over and get them to give us some money. I mean, it's clear. It's what they're doing. They're selling access to Joe Biden. And the White House counsel says this is okay. This is exactly what the founding generation feared. An elected president and a political president that could use the power, the extensive power of the general government against their opponents. This is a question about franking privileges, right? This is something that when you're in Congress, you don't pay any postage. So you have an advantage over your opponents. You just send out all kinds of literature. It used to be that you mail the stuff out and people couldn't do that. Now you have electronic, but that was an advantage for years. Send out campaign literature in the mail and your opponents, you don't have to pay for it, but your opponents would have to pay for it. Now it wouldn't, you can't make it open campaign literature, but you just send out letters to people letting them know who you are. This is what we're doing. This is the stuff that's going on. It's a, it's campaigning. And your opponent would have to pay for all of that literature to go through the post office. These are the advantages that were set up. When you start creating a situation where people are reelectable, this is what you have. I mean, maybe it should be, you know, you only, this is what the discussion of term limits, right? But you spend a lot of your time, once you're elected to Congress, you get a two-year term, you spend a lot of those two years trying to re-up, you're running for office again. I mean, you're spending a lot of time campaigning. Because you want to win again. These are the things I'm doing. These are the, you're going out to all these rallies and seeing all these people and all this stuff. It's typical for any president, regardless of party, to host supporters at the White House complex, which is both a working office as well as a personal residence, White House Deputy Press Secretary Andrew Bates told Axios. President Biden and his team take all rules concerning the White House and re-election seriously. We're proud of that, he said. There are certain rooms in the White House, particularly in the residence, that are not covered under the Hatch Act, said Kendrick Payne, ethics director at the Campaign Legal Center, referring to the federal law which governs campaigning for, federal, for elected offices. So there are certain areas that these are private, not covered under the Hatch Act. You can do whatever you want. This, see, I would say this is incorrect. It's a private residence, so does Biden own that? No, it's not private. It's a public building that you live in because you're the president. So it's not really private. Now, it doesn't mean you can have people walk through those areas because it's a bedroom or something. You can't, wouldn't do that. But it's a public building. In many ways, because the taxpayers own it, they should have access to just about anything they want in the White House. I mean, they should. Now, you wouldn't be able to go in Joe Biden's house in Delaware, but we don't, we don't pay for that. We pay for this. So... Saying these are private and these are public, the whole building is public. Everything is public. There is no private there. It's not somebody's house. It's the executive mansion where business takes place. 
Now, if you said this is the house we're giving Joe Biden to live in, and then no business takes place there, that would be something entirely different. You could have a you could have a president's office. We know there's reasons why that would be dangerous, right? but regardless, uh, this is this is important to, to note. I, I don't think there's this is really splitting hairs now. This is private. This is public. The president is allowed to legally meet when entertained with donors at the White House, Payne said, but you cannot give campaign contributions or solicit for campaign contributions while in the White House. Both Republican and Democratic administrations running for re-election have used the glamour and glitz of the White House to help donors fuel, or I'm sorry, help donors feel valued and appreciated by the president and his top advisors. This is true, right? And this is the danger of it. This is why you need to have a situation where people aren't elected again. Just get rid of the problem. Constitutional amendment. One six-year term. Boom. That's it. That's all you get. From this point forward, that's all we're going to have. There should really be a push for this. Holiday party invites, state dinners, and even rounds at the White House bowling alley are all standard ways to keep deep-pocketed supporters happy and ready to write checks when the campaign kicks off. So you have... You invite them to the party, you get the state dinner, you get bowling, whatever it is, play a round of tennis. I don't know what you're going to do, but you invite them over. You don't ask for money. You're just, hey, thanks for all this stuff. You know, we're, we're, uh, we're making you feel special. It's all, you know, it's schmoozing 101. It's what all organizations do that are trying to raise money. Wink, wink. Let's come, why don't you come bowling with me and, uh, you know, we'll just talk about some things. Wink, wink. You know, when it comes time, don't forget. I, I took you bowling. <laughs> Trump routinely pushed and violated the legal boundaries of permissible political activity in the White House, including accepting the GOP nomination from the South Lawn in 2020. Trump argued that the acceptance speech was within the bounds of the law. It is legal. There is no hatch act because it doesn't pertain to the president, he said. But that defense didn't account for the work that official White House staff had to do to pull off the event. This is a really interesting argument. It's basically what he's doing with anything else. His legal argument is the president... In some ways, he's saying the president's above the law. Hatch Act doesn't pertain to the president. Now, Hatch Act, I, I don't think, names the president. But, um, you know, when you look at this and you think about what this is and you think about the, the presidency and what the founding did, this is this is why they didn't they didn't trust an elected executive because you got into this kind of stuff. You just get them once and they're gone. There's only gonna be one George Washington. Everyone knew that. What happens I and mean, this was actually brought up. What happens after George Washington? We know the first. This is Benjamin Franklin. We know the first is gonna be great. What happens after him? You're gonna get Joe Biden, Donald Trump, Barack Obama. George W. Bush, Bill Clinton, this is what you're going to get. These people aren't ethical. After he was out of office, 13 of Trump's aides were reprimanded by a government watchdog group for abusing power of the office and violating the Hatch Act, which prohibits explicit campaign activity from government officials. So this is really interesting how this is all working out and what's happening here. I mean, Biden is clearly doing something the founding generation worried about, wrung their hands. Again, if you could go back to 1788 and tell the people that ratified the Constitution, show them this article. This is what's happening in 2024. They would have said, no, we're not ratifying this Constitution. We're not doing it. 
This is not what they wanted. They thought the checks were going to be there enough to keep stuff like this from happening, but we know it didn't happen that way. Due to COVID precautions, the Biden administration didn't fully leverage the White House's social calendar for the first two years of his presidency, leading to some apathy among the party's bundlers and millionaires. But starting in 2022, that began to change. In 2023, the White House hosted three state dinners where some of the party's biggest donors received invites. <laughs> so because of COVID precautions, Biden didn't have these things. But you know, this made these people feel unimportant. They, made, they didn't feel special enough. So there wasn't much support for Biden. The support, I mean, the enthusiasm for Biden was lagging because he didn't invite him to state dinners and bowling parties. No pizza and bowling. He didn't get that. So these people, these millionaires, these bundlers, they didn't feel special enough. You think about the egotism involved in this. Well, I don't know if I'm going to give you any money because I didn't get invited for pizza and beer in the White House bowling alley. I mean, come on. I didn't get involved in the state dinner so I could rub elbows with a bunch of Hollywood dopes and other people. Music moguls and entertainers. And powerful people. I didn't get involved to the Capitol and get to see all the weird people there. I wasn't involved in the court, in other words. This is the court, you see? The French did this the best. This is Louis XIV. He hosts the dinner, you're invited. You have to come, because if you don't, then he ignores you. And this is the other thing to it. If you're invited to the state dinner and you don't go, you're going to get ignored. This is the court, you see. This is the whole point of it. We have the court and the country. This all goes back to this glitz and glamour of the executive and what that means. It's why it's so dangerous. Louis XIV would just say, I don't see you. I don't know you. You don't come to the things that I require. Haven't seen you. You get no favors. And you wanted to be in the court. You would do anything to be in the court. You would change the king's chamber pot to be in the court. You see, you would do that. And this is what these people are doing too. Now, the Biden administration, because they have to campaign, they're trying to court these people because there's a, there's a quid pro quo. I invite you to the state dinners. You give me a bunch of money. Simple as that. Well, we know quid pro quo is something that we really shouldn't be doing. We talk about that a lot in other kinds of areas. But this is exactly what this is. It's dangerous. It's what the founding generation worried about when it came to the presidency in particular. It's why they tried to have as many safeguards as they could about it. So at the end of the day, what we've got is a really serious problem. Uh, and... Uh, again, if we followed what the founding generation wanted... We wouldn't have a president like this. And if we could just have that one six-year unelectable term, it would solve a lot of this problem. See you next time with the Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.